From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we're talking to Mark Yusko, the CEO of Morgan Creek Capital, and we're talking Grayscale, Bitcoin Trust. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Friday, January 13th, Friday the 13th, 2023. We're going to get into the crypto prices here in a minute, and then our conversation with Mark Yusko talking about Grayscale, Bitcoin Trust, and DCG. But first, I have an email from David, and David said, Hey, Matt, responding to your comments about Avalanche yesterday, being able to deploy on AWS GovCloud being weird and messed up. The thing is, if Avalanche wants to do business with U.S. government agencies, they need to get Fed certified. The certification requires review and oversight of application development and deployment practices, operating systems, and all data center infrastructure underneath it, including process for every change to everything sitting under the application. Not a great story to tell for a distributed computing, though, right? And David, thank you very much for writing in. And let me add a little bit of nuance to this because my comment, it was just off the cuff comment, weird and messed up. Here's what I was thinking when I said that. And again, please email me, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. My email is in the show notes. I haven't worked through all of this in my brain or with other people in general. So this is like the first time I'm thinking of this. The first time I heard this is my, my initial gut reaction was the reliance of government on a big business like Amazon and using their web service. Now, I get it. The government builds websites. They have these services that are in the digital space that they have to operate to scale. Who's better to use than AWS? I guess there's just something that doesn't sit right with me about the... I guess, reliance that we have on Amazon Web Services, the centralization of that data and the security risks. And if there is security risks, and also, is there a better way to decentralize it, make it more secure, and not have that reliance on a certain company, business, or industry from the United States government? So you can kind of insulate yourself a little more from those services and maybe the leverage that they might have. And again, I haven't really worked through all of that in my mind, but that's exactly what I was thinking when I heard that. And then when Avalanche is building on that too, so government can use that, it's just something like, where is the the possibilities for either a attack, a security breach, a corruption of, of data, also corruption of people, and one person or entity or industry or government having more leverage over another one. And so without thinking too much on it, that's kind of like where my head was at when I said that. And again, would love to have the conversation. If you know a lot about this topic, please email me, matthewandedecrypt.co. Let's talk about it. Maybe come on the show and talk about it. Let's have this discussion and figure out how AWS, how Amazon works with the government, either well or not well. Let me know. Anyway, let's get into those crypto prices. The time is 11.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin breaking through, smashing through the $19,000 markets at $19,143. It's up 5.7% in 24 or 13.8% in 7. I have no clue why this is happening, but yay, right? Ethereum is number two, smashing through the $1,400 markets at $1,414, up 2% in 24 or 12.1% in 7. Tether's number three, Binance is at 287, up 2%. And USDC is number five. Rounding up the top 10, we have XRP, BUSD, Cardano, Doge, and Matic. 
Number 11 is Solana, and Polkadot is 12. Litecoin moved 13. The total market cap is up 3.3%. It's over 900 billion. It's at 912.1 billion. The BTC dominance went up to 40.4, and F dominance is at 19%. And now let's just go into our conversation with Mark Yusko, who is going to tell us all about Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. He's going to tell you how it works, and basically it's a 101 conversation, but I think that you're going to get a lot from it. I hope you enjoy. Mark, how are you doing? Good to see you again. Great to see you. Happy New Year and excited to uh, get back at all the hot topics of the day. Happy New Year to you, too. Hottest topic of the day is is Grayscale, Bitcoin Trust, DCG, Genesis, Barry Silbert. Um, I personally think that this is one of the topics that is not being talked about enough. It's ramping up, but there is a lot of fallout contagion from Three Arrows, FTX, Luna, um, Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, all wrapped up. Everybody's basically kind of like was playing together somehow in some way. And I don't think we've seen that last of the fallout from all of this. So I wanted you to come over here and help us make sense of it. And the first thing I wanted you to help us make sense of is what is a trust? Look, I just I know we're starting at the very beginning, but what is a trust and what does that all mean? And when you're telling us about this, everybody keeps saying this thing about discounts, is trading at a discount. Yeah, yeah. But what does that mean? So the simple answer is a, a trust is a, a legal structure that allows you to hold a certain type of assets so that uh, investors can purchase fractional shares of that of that asset. And it's historically been used for illiquid assets, um, mostly in the fixed income realm. You had these closed end funds that were set up in trusts and you, know, you think of like a, a bank loan, right? A bank loan, it, you know, they're very complicated securities. They take uh, a month or more to settle. They're not daily liquid or minute by minute liquid like a stock or a bond. And so they they put these assets into, into trust or, or closed end fund pools, and then they would allow them to be sold as a ticker symbol on the exchanges. And so Bitcoin was an asset that wasn't available to the average investor uh, in a in a form that they could put into their brokerage account. And so they a bunch of firms applied to the SEC to create an ETF or a mutual fund structure and they said no, you know we don't we don't trust this asset, it's too volatile. Um, so they came up with a pretty ingenious way of of creating this trust. So you, you take the bitcoin, you put it into a Cayman trust, that trust then issues shares. There was one little thing, and I don't want to go too far into the weeds, but but one of the ways that you create a trust is it has limited liquidity both in and out because it's a private security. Now, that private security gets funded by accredited investors or qualified purchasers, people who meet a certain threshold of wealth uh, determined by the SEC. And so you, you would buy these shares of this trust. You would hold them for a year. Then you could sell them in the public market. And that allowed you to have a ticker symbol, GBTC, mm -hmm. which you own units in this trust, but they become liquid through the sale of these private trust units that go to create the fund. Very common structure used by a lot of, of industries. But there is one drawback. So, so the, well, the benefit is you can get access to the actual asset. There is actually Bitcoin in the trust. 
and you can get access to a share of those those bitcoins through this ticker symbol and you can put it in your IRA or your brokerage account your Robinhood account the downside is uh you have to think about the assets in the trust you can't get them out right away right they're illiquid or they're not able to be sold to uh individual investors so what can happen is if there's excess demand for the units of the trust, say there are 100 units of the trust and there are 200 people that want to buy them. Well, the price, what's called the NAV, the net asset value, uh, could rise above the fair market value of the underlying asset. So if there's too many people fighting over those, those shares on the exchange, the price could rise, and and that's called a premium. And for years, the GBTC sold at a premium because you, the only way in was through the private markets. And once it came to the public markets, there was such excess demand to buy these units in people's brokerage accounts that people were willing to pay a dollar twenty, a dollar thirty, a dollar forty for a dollar of Bitcoin. Well, then something happened. So then. <laughs> The SEC, in their infinite wisdom, that's in air quotes, uh, allows the creation of futures. Now, what does a futures contract allow you to do? And this is true for any commodity that has a futures contract. It basically allows you to create a paper version of the asset. You don't actually have to have the asset. So in the old days, if I wanted to sell you oil, I actually had to have oil that I could deliver to you on a said date for delivery. Well, when the futures markets were created, and now I don't have to have any oil, I can sell you a contract that says, I'll find a way to get some oil, and I'll deliver it to you on a certain date. And as long as we settle the contract before I have to go find the oil and deliver it to you, all good. And so what tends to happen in commodity markets that have futures is they tend to have these big cyclical swings where they get super overvalued or super undervalued because there's too many say paper barrels of oil relative to physical barrels of oil, that would cause the price to rise or not enough uh, paper barrels of oil for physical barrels of oil and the price would fall. Like we saw negative oil prices after the lockdowns and COVID. Mm -hmm. So the SEC says, yeah, knock yourselves out. Have these, these Bitcoin futures. You can't own spot Bitcoin as an individual investor, but you can own these futures. Well, for every buy, there has to be a sell. So for every retail person that said, well, I want to buy that BITO ETF that buys futures, there was a bank or a big investor who said, well, I'll short it. Well, here's the problem. And this is a phenomenon called spoofing. Hmm. So uh, in let's use the gold market because it's the most common. So the gold market for years has been stuck in this, this zone. And it was like, well, why isn't gold going up because we're devaluing the currency. So gold per dollar should be rising. Well, it's because JP Morgan, and, and, and I can use their name because they actually got convicted of spoofing. They were fined $960 million, almost a billion dollars. But they said, well, look, we made 20 billion in profits doing this, artificially suppressing the price. And so we pay a billion, that's 5%. It's like a tax, no big deal. So they keep doing it. Well, someone, and I won't name any names, but someone started selling tons of Bitcoin futures. 
which causes Bitcoin prices to fall starting November of last year. So Bitcoin prices going into free fall. Well, then people start to freak out a little bit and they sell the units of, of the trust. So the price of the trust goes down. Well, now here's where it gets really crazy. Well, then an enterprising uh, arbitrageur can go short the shares of GBTC because they see the price is falling, following, following the price of Bitcoin down, and then go long the Bitcoin price and basically have a perfect hedge. Mm. But by being short GBTC, you push the price from a premium all the way down into a discount. So now a, a share of GPTC sells it at, at last, I think it was 40 cents on the dollar discount. Maybe it got as low as right. 45, but you're basically paying 55 cents or 40 or 60 cents for a dollar of Bitcoin. So that's a long, it's a longer than I anticipated answer, but it, it basically a trust allows you to put real assets in a holding pot that then you fractionalize through a security that people can buy and sell. But the downside of that, what's called a closed end fund structure, is that trust share can sell at a premium or a discount to the actual asset value of the trust. The media companies are always saying um, GBTC is at a discount, at a discount. And yeah, it was around, it, it rallied yesterday or the day before. It went up from like 45 or 47% discount to like you, what you said, around 40, maybe 38%. Yep. Uh, yep. Is, is this scary? Because the headline looks like trading at a discount. Is this something that should be worried about or even on the radar of somebody who is you know actively in the crypto space or, or trading or holding a Bitcoin? No, in the sense of if you own a share of GBTC, so if you own one share of GBTC, and let, let's say there were an equal number of shares to the number of Bitcoin, that's not exactly how it works, but let's say that was the case, then your one share would entitle you, if the trust was dissolved, meaning they wound down the trust and gave everybody the underlying asset, the Bitcoin, uh, you'd get one Bitcoin. And so even if you bought that share for half of a Bitcoin, you know, 50 cents on the dollar, you'd still get your Bitcoin. And so it it shouldn't be scary. Now it's scary if you bought it at a premium, if you bought it at $1.20, and let's say the price of Bitcoin stayed flat, but the discount or the premium went from 20% to a discount of 40%, you lost half your value. You're like, right. oh my gosh, I lost half my no, you still have one Bitcoin. Now the price of Bitcoin stayed flat. So you haven't lost anything unless you sell the share of GBTC at right. that discount. And so it's it's one of these funny things that closed-end funds historically sell at a discount because of this arbitrage that happens where the institutional investors are shorting the ticker and buying the underlying asset as a hedge. And they force over time what's called a closing of the discount through a liquidation of the trust or liquidation of the closed-end fund. So Harvard University used to do this all the time. They had a management company and they would- Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Accumulate large positions in these closed-end funds at 50, 60 cents on the dollar, then they would get a certain amount. And in the old days, if you had a, if you had more than 10% of the shares, you could call a special general meeting and say to the shareholders, we propose to kick out the board, put in our board, and our board will shut down the fund and give you the assets. Mm. Or if, if your assets are at 60 cents and they're telling you they'll give you a dollar, you would vote for that. So everybody would vote, right. the trust would collapse. That's really good news for the holders because they get their full value. It's really good for the speculators who bought the trust or the closed-end fund at a discount. It's bad for the owner of the trust who is clipping fees, irregardless of what the price of the shares are. So this is where we get into the DCG dilemma. Is you know DCG and Barry and and you know Michael and all the guys, they like the fact that they clip you know, $200 million of fees on this $10 billion asset. The net asset value is, you know, half that. Well, I mean, now it's 60% of that, but let's, it was down to close to half that. But let's call it 60% of that. So investors, particularly if investors bought it at 60 cents on the dollar, they would like to get a dollar. And they basically have gotten, I think, 20% of the shareholders to kind of get together and I think they're trying to say, let's make a proposal to the board to liquidate the trust. Now, clearly, Barry is a he's probably a board member. I don't know, but he probably is involved. He's the manager. But they they don't want that to happen, clearly. No closed-end fund manager wants the closed-end fund to close. That's that's just the way it right. is because they like clipping the fees. But you know, there are other things going on with DCG now that might make it necessary. For them to sell that, you know, golden goose, but I don't know. So that goes to the question of, of what are the things that are happening with DCG that might make them sell, uh, as you put it, the golden goose. And I'm thinking golden goose means Bitcoin. Um, and they're well, whole- GBTC means the trust, means the trust, the trust itself. So remember, they are the manager. Mm-hmm. DCG owns Grayscale. Grayscale is the manager of the trust. I don't know who, who should have named portfolio managers, but Grayscale, which is owned by DCG, is the manager. And at the end of the day, DCG, very successful company, early adopter in our space, did lots of great investments. But because of the FTX debacle, and to start with three arrows, you're right, it's really start with three arrows. Um, one of their units, so they've made 200 investments-ish. One of their investments uh, was this company called Genesis Trading, was probably the preeminent prime broker in the digital space lent to everybody. They had a large loan to Three Arrows Capital. Three Arrows Capital defaulted. There's the billion dollar, actually their $1.1 billion liability uh, that you know Genesis couldn't claim. So the parent, DCG, said, we'll assume that liability and all future recoveries. And therefore, Genesis, you can keep, keep going. So Genesis keeps going. Well, then FTX, turns out Alameda lied even worse than Three Arrows and didn't have the assets. So now Genesis has an even bigger hole in the balance sheet. 
and they have a liability due from from Alameda. And make a long, long story short, um, there is a, an issue with Genesis being owed roughly, you know, $1.6 billion from the parent. Now, the parent doesn't have to pay until May on the, the $500 million of, I think it's actually closer to $600 million. There's about $600 million of note that's due uh, in May. And then there's this $1.1 billion of liability that isn't callable. So they don't have to redeem it. But it gets complicated in the event that Genesis were to file bankruptcy. And so there's a very complicated web of, as you say, fallout that could still occur. Because look, at the end of the day, all these companies are victims. Well, not all of them. BlockFi is a victim. You know, Genesis is a victim. FTX is the perpetrator. What they did, total fraud, theft, all kinds of bad stuff. Uh, you know, what were there risk management errors at Genesis? Yeah, I mean, you could say that, right? You could say they were overly concentrated to Alameda. Uh, were there risk management errors at, at BlockFi and others? You, you could say that. Although at the time when both of those firms made the loans to Alameda, their total assets were so large that the percentage loan to Alameda wasn't that big a deal. So it's not like it is today where it's a material part of the assets they have left. Right. Um, but ultimately, Genesis has a hole in their balance sheet, which means the parent DCG has a hole in their balance sheet. When words like bankruptcy get thrown around and restructuring, restructuring is not the end of the world, right? Banks restructure all the time. Brokerage firms restructure all the time. Companies restructure. United Airlines is restructured, I think, twice in my lifetime. Still, you know, people fly on their planes. So it's not the end of the world. Debt holders lose. Equity holders lose a lot. Sometimes there can be structures where the equity holders get a little bit. But the nice thing about a trust, the trust holders can't lose. Like the mm. worst case is the trust is forced to liquidate and you get your Bitcoin. And actually the discount closes. So that's a good, that's a good outcome. Um, the worst case scenario is the trust keeps going, still trades at a discount, but you still own the underlying asset at the end of the day. And eventually uh, someone will come along and close that discount. Now, you, now you said a couple of things. Alameda has out, is holding or has outstanding payments to um, um, Genesis. Gemini is saying Genesis owes them $950 million. Uh, Bitvavo is saying that uh, Genesis owes them $290 plus million. And there's a lot of other people in that, I guess, domino chain that yeah. is going to be affected by this. Two questions that come out of this. Number one, what are the odds that any of that is going to be get, get paid back to from Genesis or get yeah. paid from Alameda to Genesis and then to yeah. the other people so we can stop this contagion as Alameda is going through bankruptcy and lawsuits and Sam Bingham Free? We all we know all of that. You said May, it's owed. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to yeah, get that. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's very complicated. Um, there are reports, and, and again, I don't know if they're true or not, but uh, there are reports that Alameda paid back uh, Genesis 2.6 billion in advance of filing bankruptcy. If that's true, it probably happened within the 90 day window that would be subject to potential clawback in 
in the bankruptcy. So uh, the 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 bankruptcy uh, trustee could claw back from Genesis or you know DCG, whoever ended up with the capital, um, that that capital. So be so devastating. That's, that's an issue. Pardon? That'd be devastating. That'd be devastating. That would be devastating because my guess is, you know, that dog don't hunt and and there's not enough money in the pickle jar. But I, I think the real issue is for Genesis, there's there's a creditors committee. Uh, Winklevoss twins have been prominent lately with with letters to the board about that. But the creditors committee, I think, is made up of, of creditors that that um, are owed three point six billion dollars. There's reportedly $2.6 billion uh, in assets at Genesis. I think that was the reported number. Um, I'm probably, you know, it's within spitting distance. And so it left that billion dollar hole that was uh, essentially the 600 million due from DCG. And, and I think the, the amount that they owe to Eldridge, which is called their loan for 350 million. And so, and that was a secured loan. Um, so as I understand it, the, the creditors committee has offered uh, a, a package, which means, you know, usually a package means, okay, we'll take X dollars in cash and then we'll take some future payouts and then maybe we'll take some equity uh, and maybe we make some money over the long term because the golden goose is pretty good. And if, and if Bitcoin prices were to rally here, then the cash flow from GBTC would rise and DCG would be able to make the payment sooner to Genesis and and things would would be good. We're we're in a funny place where uh, there's still some contagion, but but here's the thing, you know, we're we're talking about numbers that are big, right? Billions of dollars, but we're talking single digit billions in an ecosystem that's still you know just under a trillion dollars, and I and I don't mean to diminish what's going on, but it's just not that big a deal. Like I keep saying, you know, when when Mount Gox went down, way bigger deal right. than FTX going down. Right. There was no other show in town, right? There are 500 exchanges today. Okay, one of the bigger exchanges, although it was never really that big because it was fake, uh, goes under. But there are 499 other exchanges. We'll, we'll manage. The, the ecosystem's much bigger. The talent base is much bigger. So we survived the Mount Gox bear market. We survived the 2019. But remember 2019? When everyone said, turn out the lights, right? I lived in Seattle growing up. Remember, there was a big sign in 83, last person yeah. to leave Seattle, please turn out the lights. And Seattle's still there. In fact, it's thriving with Amazon and Microsoft, and now Microsoft's buying OpenAI. I mean, it's thriving. So we will get through this, and we will get to the other side. And one thing, I, I had a little existential crisis during this last couple of months is, you know, People are like, wait, I, I chose to come into this industry. I, I had a pretty good life in, in the old traditional financial industry. And you know, why subject myself to the ridicule and oh, you're an idiot. What do you know about this stuff? <laughs> I read this, this essay from Dara Albright uh, a couple of days ago, and it, it 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 just cheered me up so much. So everyone should read this essay that she wrote because it's all about the bright, bright future of a decentralized financial system. And it's what we're all here for. And it's what is going to happen. And I'm as convinced as I was, you know, five years ago when I first started really getting into this. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's dark right now. There's some still contagion risk. There's some things that are going to have to happen. But the bad people did some bad things. 
they need to go to jail, they need to pay back, they need to be stripped of their assets. You know, the fact that that Sam is sitting in his parents' house transferring money just boggles my mind. Right? Bernie made off with <laughs> yeah, jail right. the next day, the next day, like a real right. jail. And uh, was my neighbor here in North Carolina until he died. Last question before you, before you go. I know we have a hard stop in about four minutes. Um, one of the biggest, I guess, fears is that the Grayscale Trust or DCG is going to have to liquidate their 640,000 or 650,000 Bitcoin. Is that a possibility? And what, what would be the contagion of that? Sure. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Now, Bitcoin's a, what, 340, 320, I'm not sure, billion dollar asset. Okay. 10 billion on 300, let's call it 300 billion. 10 billion on 300 billion, just not that much, right? Now you say, whoa, but 75% of it doesn't trade. So as the percentage of free float, that's a lot. If it were dumped into the market and everybody sold and walked away, it could definitely have a short-term price impact. But here's the thing. For every seller, there's a buyer. At every price, for every seller, there's a buyer. For every buyer, there's a seller. So somebody's going to be buying that. And here's the other piece. I own shares of GBTC. If they gave me my Bitcoin, I'm not selling them. I'm putting them in storage and I'm going to add to my stack. So I don't think the pressure would be as big as everybody thinks. I don't think it would be $10 billion. I think some of it would sell. And maybe in the short run, there'd have to be some crossing. But think about the daily trading volume uh, of Bitcoin around the world. It's a pretty big number. So could it be a short-term problem? Sure. Do I think it's a long-term problem? Not at all. I could have sworn about a month ago, you were, you were on um, giving interviews, same, same topic. And you said that it would have been a disaster if Bitcoin was sold or, or Grayscale sold their Bitcoin. It would totally tank the market. It, it, it sounds as though you're a little more optimistic. Um, I am prone to hyperbole. So I, 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 I can see myself <laughs> maybe saying that, but I, I don't, I don't really think I'd have to, have to go back and look. I, I think what I might've said is there were three things that worried me, right? One was the liquidation of GBTC. The second was uh, a tether, you know, discovery that it really is, really is bad. And, and the third was this, this unwinding of, of Genesis. I might've said that if all three happen simultaneously, that could be really, really bad. Mm. If any one of them happens, it's, it's probably not the end of the world. And, and I've probably matured a little bit since that in the sense that if I really think about how much Bitcoin actually would sell, as opposed to people who own shares like me, who would just take the Bitcoin and be happy, um, I probably tempered that view a little bit. Mm. Mark, thank you for coming on the show and, and discussing this with uh, the listeners. And you have a great day, sir. Always. I, I talk to you soon and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and please leave us a great comment. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, please click those five stars or wherever you're listening to this, please hit the five stars and leave us a comment if they do have a comment section. And I'll be back tomorrow with our weekend review for Saturday, January 14th. And until then, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>